Watch out for the Carolina Country Music Fest, I promise you. All right, what did I say it was? Oh, yeah, 74 degrees. Another hour of the Liz Calloway Show starts now. Welcome to the Liz Calloway Show. She's a one of a kind, and she's only found here the new conservative alternative. Talk 94.5. Finally, you can start waking up on the right side of the bed again. Good morning and welcome to the Liz Calloway Show. I apologize for both Nick and I. We're sat both under the weather. I got one thing, he's got another thing. But welcome back. It's the Liz Calloway Show Infirmary. <laughs> it's all right. We're going to muddle fine. through. Yeah, yeah we're, we're fine. we'll be all right. We're not dying. No, we're not dying. All right. Um, it's now time for The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers, featuring Breitbart Talks on Talk 94.5. That's right. And joining us right now is the Breitbart London Bureau Chief, Oliver Lane. Good morning, Oliver. Liz, good morning from sunny England. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that it's good to hear from you. Um, I, I was uh, reading a bunch of articles about what's going on with Boris Johnson, and I was wondering, why does it matter to us, to our listeners here in the United States, that he survived a leadership challenge in the uh, in the snap party poll well that's an excellent question i think if you don't mind me saying it's possibly the wrong question to ask now it's not why does it matter that he survived or not it what matters is the fact that the uh, challenge happened at all Hmm. um and what we're looking at is essentially the the globalist establishment in the united kingdom in london um, who are probably quite bitter at having had um, the reins taken away from them by the Brexit vote back in 2016. And they are now attempting to stamp out the final embers of that populist year, the year we had Brexit and we had Donald Trump. Um, and even if Boris Johnson isn't a sincere Brexiteer, you know, as, I, as I personally suspect, and is only in it for cynical reasons, nevertheless, he has been delivering Brexit for the UK. And this is something that you know, for that establishment must be defeated. And that is a small part of what's going on behind that leadership challenge this week. You know, um, when we were listening to the whole Brexit thing unfold, you know, we have a hard time understanding um, politics in uh, the UK. But uh, we felt that it was a populist movement. We thought that the people wanted to be free from um, things that they didn't want to have to pay into. And they felt like they were disproportionately supporting other countries in there and they weren't getting their fair share of the deal. Um, so we, we saw it as a, as a victory. Um, but I, I was just wondering, being that you're in, in London, what is the general consensus amongst the people there? And has it changed over the last few years? Well, the, the consensus, as was recorded in that referendum at the time in 2016, was certainly that the United Kingdom would be better off outside the European Union. And, you know, the, the pollsters have been nonstop on it ever since. Um, no, not least because I expect they're being paid to find the evidence <laughs> our political class needs to take us back into the European Union, which is certainly what they want. But it remains the case uh, that the majority of people in this country uh, support Britain uh, staying outside of the European Union. And I think you know we are persistently proven right in this. Now, <laughs> you can take whatever view you like on how coronavirus unfolded and particularly how uh, governments responded to it. You know, looking at uh, vaccines and that sort of stuff. But in terms of you know, pure freedom of the British government to do what it wanted to do during the coronavirus um, lockdown period, 
There's no doubt that being outside of the European Union allowed the UK government to act harder and faster on, for instance, access to vaccines at that time. Other European nations being held back by the Brussels bureaucracy. Like I say, it, that's a divisive topic, but you can't deny uh, that it you know, being ours has given Britain freedom to do more. Hmm. Another example, again, again controversial, is the uh, Russia's war in Ukraine. The United Kingdom, by far, being the most active uh, country in the world supporting the Ukrainian government, uh, giving weapons, giving support, giving training, more so than the European Union, any European nation, and I believe even more so than the United States. And again, this is something that we have a free hand to do, for right or wrong, I don't take a view on that, because we're outside of the EU. We're speaking with Oliver Lane, the London bureau chief for Breitbart. Um, you know, when we watched uh, what was going on uh, with uh, COVID in, in the UK and other countries other than us, uh, and, and we saw what was happening in China, and then we saw what was happening in Italy, and then Boris Johnson caught COVID and really was very sick, came out with all these lockdowns. But he was the first one to really lift the lockdowns, wasn't he? Yes, that's a good point. The United Kingdom was basically, apart from China, who are a law unto themselves and you know, barely worth us talking about, in my humble opinion, uh -huh. um, the United Kingdom was you know, first in and first out of lockdown, weren't we? In fact, you know, those harsh um, lockdown rules that you chaps had in the United States introduced by Anthony Fauci, mm -hmm. I think there's no doubt that those were essentially inspired by what the British government was doing. Um, mm -hmm. And it, so it proves with coronavirus rules all over the UK, it's basically a game of follow the leader. Um, one country goes and others follow. And so it was with leaving lockdown. The United Kingdom was first out of loads of lockdown measures uh, in January this year. And as soon as that domino fell, as soon as Britain said, OK, we've had enough, we're going, actually you saw this chain reaction all through Europe, these rules falling, falling really quickly. So for good or for worse, um, we do seem to be the, the trendsetter in this one. Oliver, I, wa I wanted to switch gears a little bit, and I'm not really sure if it totally is switching gears, but um, we've heard a lot about, you know, we have Glenn Beck on our show, um, I mean, on our station after our show, and oftentimes we hear him talking about the Great Reset. And I saw an article on Breitbart.com about the Irish state is planning to re-implement harsh COVID-style lockdown rules because of what could, what is an impending fuel shortage, a major fuel shortage because of the Ukraine crisis um, and the war in Ukraine. And so uh, what I started thinking about is, you know, uh, and, and is it possible that this is another excuse that that these government leaders can use to lock people down? I mean, are, is it necessary to lock people down if there's a major fuel shortage? I, I don't understand. Yeah, my Breitbart London colleague, Peter Caddle, did a great job of taking this story, which would have gone no farther than being a sidebar piece in an Irish newspaper and bringing it to global attention, which is you know, why you and I are talking about it now. And it is a concerning story. So what we have is the Irish government, in their phrase, is what they called it after it was leaked to an Irish newspaper, wargaming these potential outcomes. Hmm. If Russia's war in Ukraine uh, went on to cause serious fuel shortages, um, in, in Europe and in, and in the, the Irish Republic uh, this year, and I suppose next year as well. And you know, their ideas are uh, limits on so-called non-essential travel, implementing compulsory work from home orders. Um, does this sound familiar yet, wow. by the way? Sounds yes. like the coronavirus lockdowns to me. Mm -hmm. Other stuff as well, restricting, restricting speeds on highways, outright fuel rationing so you can't buy as much as you need. Wow. 
So they say this is all wargaming, but it's plans. And you know, they've been caught in the acts of, of getting these plans on paper um, through this leak. But the important thing I want to make clear here is this is all very familiar, not just because it's you know, very strongly resembles these COVID lockdowns, which they are clearly based on. But if you go back to you know, Breitbart London's coverage going back a year, a year and a half, while lockdowns were still happening in early 2021, in mid-2021, um, the, the, uh, the left and the, like the hard environmental lobby, the Great Reset people like the um, World Economic Forum, were already pointing out, hey, wow, these lockdowns have really worked. Mm-hmm. Our, uh, our emissions are down. We're using less fuel. And you know, there was discussion even back then. I was going through some of these old articles, actually, before we came on the, uh, on the line here. And looking at how excited they were about yes. the potential that lockdown was showing for implementing these policies mm-hmm. to radically rewrite right the way our economies work, it's very concerning actually that this has made the leap from being the sort of fever dream of of globalist activists yeah. to yeah. actually turning into government policy in Ireland so quickly. And I can I just say one more thing? Sure. Bear in mind what we said early on in this segment about. Uh, this sort of follow the leader characteristic we had in coronavirus lockdowns. You know, the UK got in there really quickly and then every other country said, well, if Britain's doing it, then maybe so would she. So should we rather. How is it going to work if there is a, a fuel shortage, you know, no matter how serious it is? One country goes, oh, we're bringing in lockdown. We need to save the planet anyway. Let's just do it. That's right. How many other countries will follow? That's that's exactly what they say. We need to save the planet. Oh, and, you know, we had um, the press secretary at the time, Jen Psaki, say this uh, proves that we need to be less dependent on foreign oil, oil in general. She said that. <laughs> and it was like, now we hear um, representatives talking about, oh, well, I drove my vehicle from Michigan to D.C. And she goes, I didn't care. I drove by all these gas stations because I had an electric vehicle. So it's not impacting me. And, uh, it, it, you know, the, the gas fuel prices. And so um, when we watch all this, but, you know, we can look to California and what they're doing with the water shortage there and the mismanagement of the water and the mismanagement of the forest uh, you know, we have all these wildfires there. They they use this to control people, control their behavior. Um, and when when people are living in those situations, they just learn to adapt and they and they just take it on the chin. And the people like us in South Carolina say, what? Hell no, we're not dealing with that. But then we look at what's happening in, let's say, what could happen in Ireland or what was happening in Italy when people were locked up or Shanghai, people like, you know, uh, melted into their homes and barricaded into their homes. We just couldn't believe that was possible. But we saw things like that happening here. But we fought against it for the most part. But still, they are winning. They are winning. And they, they take a little bit, a little bit. Sure. And there's one, there's one point I always like to make when we're talking about yeah, particularly the smug electric car owners. And you know what? Jen Psaki was kind of right in one way, which is that it's bad to be dependent on you know, yes. belligerent countries for fuel, right? That is, that is true. We agree. And we are reliant on countries like you know, Iran or Russia or you know, Middle Eastern states. But when they get excited about exchanging internal combustion engines for electric cars, you're only trading one kind of dependence for another. Mm-hmm. If you're getting your electricity from solar panels, there is one country on earth that makes them really in any sort of like measurable quantity, and that is China. Is that a country you want to be reliant on for your energy for the rest of time? I don't. No. And we've learned that so many ways. Uh, it's just unbelievable that we're 
you know, and of course we keep hearing about a food shortage. We had the baby food shortage just as a sampling. The only food infants can have, there was a shortage. I mean, infants were hospitalized because they didn't have enough. You know, how could that possibly happen in today's world and in our America? We are like scratching our heads. And now, you know, our president's been talking about food shortages for the last three months. So it's globalization. And, you know, globalization is great while the music's still playing. But when the music stops, things get very ugly very quickly because you've absorbed production of everything to wherever it is cheapest in the world. And if you need to bring things on shore again in a hurry, there's a lag time. It takes a lot longer to set these industries up from scratch than it does to get through the remaining stocks. And that's where people starve, car production ends, etc. And Oliver, um, the way I feel about it is Trump was our only, you know, uh, defense against these people here locally. And they hated him. Look at what they're doing to him. It's nonstop. He's not even in office and they still talk about him. They're afraid of him coming back. He was the only one that could stand up to them. Um, and they, they, you know, they're trying to take him out all over again. Um, you know, there's, there's, one, there's one Trump moment that I keep coming back to at the moment again and again. Hmm. And it was when Trump addressed the United Nations and looked the German delegation in the eye and said, you guys are reliant on Russian oil. That is bad and, and that is going to make things really bad for you. Yes. And the German delegation in the UN laughed at him on live television. They just sat there laughing. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot these days. I'm sure you can figure out why, how right Trump was yes. and how foolish and, and ungracious the Germans were. Yeah. I mean, I remember him talking to Angela Merkel and saying, you just threw in the white flag. You just tapped out um, and it's going to be a big problem for you. I'll never forget that. Well, thank you so much for your perspective. Uh, London Bureau Chief Oliver Lane for Breitbart. Uh, We really appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure. Liz, have a great show. You too. The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Back in a bit on Talk 94.5. All right, I'm going to tell you about Eggs Up Grill because having breakfast, the most important meal of the day, is something that you can do starting at 6 a.m. There are not many places around in the Grand Strand where you can have a delicious breakfast ready for you, hot, made to order, and that would be at Eggs Up Grill. Now, they have a few locations that um, have this brand new menu, and if you haven't checked them out lately, you got to go try the new menu of the Eggs Up Grill on Highway 707 in Merle's Inlet. There's a location, the brand new location in Carolina Forest, right by River Oaks Drive, and of course, the one in the Market Common area, right by the Walmart off of Farrell Parkway. All three of them have a delicious new menu, and uh, that means you need to stop by and try it. Try the banana pudding French toast. Ooh, that is so yummy. And of course, the Coastal Crab Cake Benedict, or the Barbecue Chicken Melt. That tastes like a barbecue uh, in your backyard, and um, it's... uh, 